think um, I need to, you know, be more of a threat of a shooter. Um, you know, be um, a little more selfish in those areas, so it opens up Austin a little more, I'd say. Um, you know, just got to have trust in our game. Um, you know, when we're going well, we're getting on the forecheck, we're stripping pucks, and um, we've had moments of that throughout the season, but just not enough. And, um, you know, you know we got to be better, and we will be better. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and his friend gunning. That was Mitch Marner. Yeah, he's got to try shooting a little bit more than once. Each and every game of the last four, that's that's the Mitch Marner shot on goal total mm-hmm. for each game. Had one shot on goal and yesterday. Austin Matthews didn't have a ton more than that yesterday. Obviously, William Nylander uh, leading all Maple Leafs forwards with five shots on goal. Tied with David Camp, by the way, with, with his five shots on goal. Austin Matthews only had two yesterday. Mitch Marner only had one. Mm-hmm. There is something to that. We've we've heard this at different points at the beginning of various seasons mm-hmm. that Mitch Marner is going to shoot more. He's been working on his shot working more. On it. Scored thirty five goals in a season once. Got to do something. Do do something because what's what's happened here over the last mm, half dozen games or so mm-hmm. is 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 not what you want out of out of a line that is required to do as much as that line is. Uh, Certainly not what you want. Certainly want more from them. It's actually the second half of that answer that I focus on much more than the first because the shooting thing is the thing he says that gets all the attention, but it's the rest of the game. If you do more of that, what he mentioned, the stripping pucks, the Mm -hmm. getting in on the forecheck, that's when these guys are at their most dangerous. You know, Austin Matthews, when I close my eyes and think of him making plays for the Leafs, it's... Stick lift in the defensive zone, quick pass out to somebody. He goes, he's blowing through the neutral zone with a head of speed. All of a sudden, it's a two on one. Then the puck's in the back of the net. It's the same exact thing for Marner. It's jumping in passing lanes. And it's not getting in on the forecheck always either. It is making plays happen from your own defensive zone, being that 200 foot player. Not to say that they have been bad in that aspect of the game, but when the floor that's expected of you is 100 point player, 50 goal guy then the expectations are fairly lofty and they hear it. That's why he's giving you this answer, but it's all the other stuff. It's not the shooting that I think is the reason why Marner's not doing it. I think, I think he's not shooting enough because he's not getting the opportunities because of the lack of other stuff, the stealing pucks, the getting in on the forecheck, those kinds of things. When's the Mitch Marner game coming? I've been asking for it for a very nine long time. Games now, like mm-hmm. nine. No, it's, we've had, okay. Do they so have I'm, a young guns next gen game. He's usually good for four points in those. If they have one of those right. coming up, Play at 11 nice. o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. Okay, sorry. I, uh, no, 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 no. Austin Matthews obviously had a pair of, like, Austin Matthews games. Yes, very much so. Hat tricks. Yeah, and one of them was in five minutes. That, that's why the, the heat is off him. Mm-hmm. And we all know what Austin Matthews is. We also know what Mitch Marner is. But, boy, be nice to see it, like, once this season where he just said, this is my game. Yep. This is me. The puck's not coming off my stick, and when it does, it's going to the back of the net. Whether I'm shooting it in mm-hmm. or I'm setting up somebody for a, a backdoor tap in, where, where is that? When when's that happening? Like where again? It's early. It's nine games in. I love that too. It's like hey, you you, you can't play your best every game. It's it's nine games in, long season. It's an eighth of the way into the season. It, now. It, it's yeah, we're 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 uh, quite a ways in. <laughs> Uh, it, it it is November factually, and yeah, the Elliot Friedman's favorite, oh, you know, topic God. of the playoff spots earned he has, on American Thanksgiving fast approaching. Do you think it's like 
those those guys who are like really big sickos for fantasy football that he has like a big draft board in his living room or his like office that he puts mm. up on November 1st and it's yeah. like oh it's coming he's got like a countdown clock and right. he's moving the teams up and down it, like it is such a hobby horse of his and rightfully so it's a great stat but I picture this as like the 14 day or I don't know what American Thanksgiving is the 20, 20 day countdown of him just being so wholly locked in on this yeah that's fast approaching that's in November it's near the you end must be, of so, you must be so excited i yeah with an american wife yeah. you mean yeah yeah course, obviously celebrating american thanksgiving no offense to canadian thanksgiving which is I, celebrating uh, something i'm not sure what it is yeah, exactly. we literally don't even get the nhl anymore on mm, canadian thanksgiving nah, american thanksgiving yeah. is where it's at. and the lions are good Oh, great. oh, oh Packer. my goodness. Packers bad, though. Cannot have everything. Is that the matchup? I, I don't know. It's just I feel like they oh. both somehow always play Cowboys. on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys for relevant. sure in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, yeah, that's fast approaching. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, right? Mitch Marner, can you do something? Can, it, you, can you have a game? It's time. They're, and the thing about a player of his ilk and what he is capable of is that, and you see it with Matthews. He had two of them, but... Look at how much goodwill it buys you. Look how long it gets people off your back. Every conversation we have been about to have about Austin Matthews has been couched in. But he had back-to-back hat-tricks to start the season, so maybe we got to cut him a break. Maybe we got to give him a little slack. You just haven't seen it yet from Marner. And honestly, you hear some of those, those comments, and you know he was asked about the booze as well last night. It's too early in the season for this, but that's a player who wears it when things don't go well. Mm -hmm. And you don't want things to snowball where all of a sudden we're deeper into November and he's at a, he's actually at a 70 point pace this year. He's not at a 95 point pace. And that doesn't mean that it necessarily has to snowball into a bad season, but I think it's fair to say that he probably wears the ups and downs of the big boys on this team the the most in terms of, you know, the way he handles it emotionally. He clearly, and it's because he cares. It's because he loves being a Leaf. It's a good trait to have, mm-hmm. but I think he he more than anybody needs that game because it does it. I don't know. Am I off base in that? Because it feels to me of the big guys that he's clearly the one oh, who wears it the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't he, say that as a knock. Like we want players who care. He clearly does. He does. He he is an avatar for the fan base, right? Or like he is. Yeah, he is the guy that you most believe wants and loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Hey, John Tavares. If he was capable of de- want and love, I would believe that. Yeah. But again, robot. <laughs> John Tavares did actually uproot himself from a place he was a yeah. captain in and beloved and 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 joined the Toronto Maple Leafs for less than he could have earned on an eight-year extension with the Islanders. So it's hard to argue with that. But yeah, Mitch Marner is the face of try easier because he's yeah. he's at times during the postseason looked like a guy who just wants it so bad. Like that so that's there's two things happening mm-hmm. there, right? Like so it's nobody's questioning the effort level. No. But a hundred percent I and I, I saw his his facial expression when yeah, he was asked. <laughs> he was asked about the booing at the end of the second period, and eventually he came around to the idea that yeah, no, we all got to play better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't our best game, but he's, the the answer starts with him talking about how sticking tight that you the the guys that were on the ice in that moment that couldn't get off the ice in about a three minute span and the the kings were just cycling the puck in the offensive zone non-stop 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 and it should be said did not have a great a scoring chance during that moment mm-hmm. but the fans understandably yep in my opinion voiced their displeasure mm-hmm. that he ran to the defense of his teammates instead of 
yeah, understanding the the fan sentiment around this team in that moment, but in an overall sense that, again, this team has not accomplished much of anything over the last half decade plus. He is not a guy that 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 quite messages things correctly, in my opinion. No, I think I think it's it's fair to say of and John Tavares clearly emotionally is the Ross Atkins of the Blue Jays core or of the Leafs core, but Mitch Marner in terms of public messaging mm-hmm. is the Ross Atkins of the Blue Jays core. I mean, he's also been the guy who's been put in that spot many times. I think he's just a guy who clearly, again, he's more, I don't say emotional as it's a bad thing. He just is more open with that. I think, I think Austin Matthews cares every bit as much about losing a game or being a leaf as mm-hmm. Mitch Marner does. Maybe he doesn't, you know, it's like, Nobody can ever get it the way somebody here gets it, but Matthews gets it just as much as anybody else can. Like, so I don't look at it as that Matthews doesn't care, but it's just he's a he's just a much different individual. The way he carries himself, it just kind of everything is water off a duck's back. Nylander is very similar in that regard. And yeah. Marner's just more open. And when you're more open, there's just more of an avenue to see this kind of thing. And again, if he doesn't like these conversations, could change it all Thursday night in Boston. Yeah. And when I and when I think of Mitch Marner games, and man, this is a thousand years ago now, but there was that series against the Bruins and they go up two one on home ice and it's Mitch Marner blocking shots at yes. the end of games. And it's a rousing ovation. And you just think, and never the same in that series after that. Block yeah. Shot, yeah. Honestly, but you think to yourself, those are the moments that a player like that is supposed to have. And it wasn't just the promise of a hundred points and toe drags left and right. And the beautiful passes and the slick plays. It wasn't just the promise of that. It was a promise of all that other stuff. And that's what he talked about in the back end of that answer is the just finding a way, finding a way to make a difference. Even if the puck's not going in, if you do enough of the other things, which again, we refer to him as a selkie level winger all the time. He is, you can find a way to make an impact on the game. That's not just shooting it in the net or shooting it at all. Yep. Hasn't done enough of anything. Uh, in, in recent games. <laughs> Am I silly for, for looking at the old standings here? No. <laughs> Through nine games. Not not that it's like panic time, but just like where the Leafs stack up in the Atlantic Division because it feels like it's been a good start despite yesterday's performance. Like mm-hmm. taking seven to ten points on the road well, against some pretty good opponents and that victory against the Stars, their, their best of the season. 11 points through nine games put them in the, the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, one point up on the Islanders who have a game in hand. Yeah, what I was going to say is that I also get where the where a guy like Marner's coming from of, you know, if it's if they had got off to a, you know, two and five start and they're getting booed off the ice, that's a very different answer I imagine he gives you mm-hmm. than it does when they've had the trip they had and they're feeling, although they shouldn't be feeling good after last night's game. I do, I understand where that's a very different sounding answer than that it is if they get off to the sluggish start that they've had in the past. That, well, that's all I wanted to say. You know, a couple of games that the Leafs were lucky to pick up two points and go the other way, like opening night. And then the incredible relief performance we saw from Joseph Wall in Tampa, like those, you, you pick up no points in either. But of again, those we games. do it. We we've done it the other way where they've played great and they, sure. they've got goalied or, you know, the officiating hasn't gone their way or they've hit a thousand posts and we don't give them credit. Like we give them very little credit comparatively on the other side of it. So I, I understand Marner not Just, rushing to yeah. say, yes, you should have booed us. I like, I understand that. I get it. I get it. But you're allowed to have a Bruins start. You're you're allowed to have One, no regulation totally, losses. Totally. Considering the expectations on this team and considering the lack of expectations on a Bruins team that won the President's Trophy a season ago and lost a Hall of Famer in Patrice Bergeron. Like, yeah. No, you're, you're allowed to look like 
one of the forces in the National Hockey League, like the Bruins, like the Avalanche, like the Golden Knights. Fine well, start. Okay. If we're going to have that conversation, then let's just get super pointed about it. It's like, is there some pixie magic that Jim Montgomery or Brad Marchand possesses as a leader or as a coach that Austin Matthews, John Tavares, or Sheldon Keefe doesn't? Like, Because when we go to Boston, we keep saying, ah, it's the infrastructure, it's the infrastructure. Well, the goaltender's changed. The coach has changed. The captain's different now. They've lost their two centers. Uh, Zedato Char is no longer there. At a certain point in time, there is either some heebie-jeebie baked into the org or we got to give the guys that are still there all the credit in the world for being able to maintain that infrastructure. And then if we're going to say that, do we not have to point the finger a little bit at the sleeves group? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, the second part for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure, Bren. Yeah, no point away at this Leaf score. I, I give Brad Marchand a ton of credit mm-hmm. because he is that guy. Like, he does seemingly Clearly. bring it every single mm-hmm. night. And when it's not going in the back of the net, he does Yeah, the, the Max Domi thing that he attempted to do at the end of mm-hmm. the game yesterday. It was a little late for that, and it Just resulted in, in, in him ending up in the penalty box a mm-hmm. little, a little too fine. much. The I game out of no hand. No problem with that. Sure, sure, especially when the game's out of hand like that. But, yeah, it, it would have been nice to see that kind of physical pushback. Somebody, something totally. to, to wake this team up totally. before. For that but no 100 percent. that i mean what have one of the big knocks about this leafs team throughout the course of regular seasons is that they they do act like they're above the regular season which they are to a degree because they've established mm-hmm. themselves as a postseason team and nobody questions that but like establishing also um good routines and 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 good morals mm-hmm. and effort level over a consistent basis that's that's nice that's something that would be nice to see over an 82-game regular season that other teams are capable of, right? And the Bruins are going to have their letdowns, too. They gave up multiple goal lead to the 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 Ducks, uh, yep. who would seem much improved this year, by the way, in early returns. But, yeah, the, I would say consistency has been there more often than not with some of those other elite teams as opposed to this Leaf string team during the regular season. Those other teams have also had more postseason success then this Leafs team. Is there a correlation? I'd like to think so. For sure. And I think the other part of it that, you know, often gets pointed to with the Leafs, uh, and but it's not a Leafs issue, is that, well, there's so much turnover in the lineup. You know, you have your core. That's kind of how the league works now, is everybody has turnover in the bottom half of their lineup. Some teams prioritize it. Top for, four guys have all yeah. they've been there. Every no, exa- year. This is the thing. But it's like, you know, other teams, like you look at what the Lightning built, they clearly prioritize a little more continuity in their lineup, be it a guy like Hagel, be it a guy mm. like Perry, Maroon, guys who were there year over the year in those spots. A guy like Sorelli who grew into that. You saw it with, you know, I know we all like to put our head, head in the sand and pretend that didn't happen when the New York Islanders made back-to-back trips to, I guess it wasn't the conference final because one of them was a weird COVID year, but the conference finals, the final four, uh-huh. they prioritized consistency in their bottom six. And I'm not saying the way to do this is to build the Islanders' fourth line and start from there and then work your way out. But look Casey at... Casey Zizekas would be good on this team. God, I'd kill for him. I really would. Like, <laughs> the when you look at when you look at what that group what those teams do that are there every year. And it's not the teams that have one good run and then are gone. They do prioritize consistency in that part of the lineup. So it's, it's something that's not lost on me. And then Boston, I do think, I honestly think you just have to look at them as an outlier at this point. They have had, they, it has looked like this throughout. Basically, this is now the third generation of Bruins and it's always kind of looked like this. So I, I, I don't know what to say about them. They truly are an outlier. But when I look at all the other teams, there's a lot of consistency in the bottom half. Here's what I predict on uh, Thursday, tomorrow night. 
is that the Leafs, after a clunker of a game yesterday against a good Kings team... Oh, they were going to play the best game of their yeah, life. That's, this is they it. might you lose. Don't, you don't get it every game of the season with this Leafs team. This is part of their DNA. Throughout the course of an 82-game regular season, then for some reason people are falling over themselves. Say, oh, it's just in game nine. Who cares? It's just the regular season. You know what? They, I'm, they knew how big the Boston game was. They're like, guaranteed must win by us in the room. And we know the only way it can happen Uh, is to lay an absolute egg against these Kings. Right. God forbid you have consecutive (laughs) games where the effort level is, is upper echelon. But yeah, no, I, I fully expect the Leafs to to come out of that. Maybe not out of the gates with their hair on fire because starts have been an issue at times with this team. But yeah, for 60 minutes, they're a great performance. You are getting, you're getting two full bore complete ice tilting shifts from the Matthews line and Tavares line, whatever, whatever way they go with that. That's yes. how, the, that's how it goes is that those two guys come, those two lines come shot out of a cannon. And then it really is a crapshoot for what you get the rest of the game from the rest of the team. But typically those guys come out shot. I, honestly, the way it went, I don't think this will happen, but I wouldn't put it past Keith to just go nuclear to start the game. Wow, and and do the I the, would love it. <laughs> I will say, you know what looked good, Nylander yeah, with shocker. Matthews and well, Marner. It is it is funny whenever we do the argument of of who's the best fit on the left side, and there's always there is some guy who thinks he's so smart, saying you know who really fits well there, <laughs> William Nylander. Yeah, well, we know. I just, you know, it's it. This is an argument to be made that this team is already so top heavy and they've they've tried like hell to, yeah. to create a viable third line and it just hasn't worked out. And God knows what this fourth line has been yep. able to produce in limited time this season. What you know, why not just lean as hard into your identity as possible? Because you've got a really good version of John Tavares and you don't want to mess with that right yeah. now. That's that's the reason for that. If you Matthew were, Nice is good though. If you were if you were super comp look, Matthew Nice is great. Nobody on this team right now, nobody is playing the way William Nylander is playing right now. So taking that anybody or putting anybody in that spot is a demotion for, mm-hmm. for Tavares. And, but I do think to your point about that, if you felt like a Domi Nice Tavares or a Bertuzzi, that's what they, Nyes, they ran out right after the, after, after, after the supercharge line. And I thought they they looked pretty good. It looked fine. I think there's, it's just, this is the problem with the constant tinkering nature of Keefe. It's what we talked about of, do you put the best version of your team forward or do you try to try to win every game? Mm-hmm. These are all the things they have to quibble with there. But yeah, I wouldn't be, I don't know. wouldn't be super shocked if he started that way. I don't expect it by any means, but maybe would be quite the shot across the bow. Yeah. Grab a lead and then you you throw your punt lines over mm-hmm. over the over the boards for the last half of the game. All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. It was the NFL trade deadline yesterday. Peter King called it the the rocket scientist that is Josh Dobbs departing the Arizona Cardinals for the Minnesota Vikings. They gave up like basically nothing, like the end of the the, the draft. How picks. dare you? That nothing is 60 picks ahead of where Brock Purdy went. <laughs> That's it. It's a great, great point. Uh, Josh Dobbs showed signs of life with a, a Cardinals team that we all expected to be vying for the first overall pick. I mean, they have one win. Uh, so they still are very much <laughs> vying for that. But he was a lot better than expected. Yeah. He's an improvement, we think, on Jaron Hall, who was their their previous fifth-round pick. You know, I love this for the Vikings. I love this in, in, in sports in general, mm-hmm. when a franchise understands that there is not a championship ceiling for this Vikings mm-hmm. team. 
probably was not a championship ceiling there with Kirk Cousins because he was playing at the peak of his powers last year. They were a 13-win team. They went in the first round of the Giants. Yeah. Okay? The Giants, mm -hmm. who are better than this version of the Giants, but not that. Like, look at the wins and mm -hmm. look at look at the season in an overall sense last year. It's a lot of, like, eh. Smoke, meat, yeah, mirrors, yeah, okay, yeah. They lost to that team in the playoffs, okay? 11 wins by one score. We know what this Vikings team is. Yeah. But if you're a fan of the Vikings, wouldn't you like to have some hope for the rest of the season? Look at those final three weeks of the season, the two games against the, the Lions, and think that, hey, maybe something, anything is possible. I love, love, love this for the Vikings. Yeah, and the other thing about it is just what the sport is, right? Like, we talk about this with the NFL is that, you know, no one's ever going to walk into a room in any sport and say, hey, guys, we need to go out there and lose this one, but... You know, you look around, you understand mm -hmm. the writing on the wall. Football is a different animal. You were just asking guys to put themselves through so much yep. and to just punt on the season by not going out and getting anyone. It, is, it would be such a, a slap in the face to every guy in that room. So I, I love that they went out and did that. I would personally just like to congratulate future defensive player on the year of the year, Chase Young, <laughs> on his move to the 49ers. This feels like, I mean, this guy's had moments in Washington where you watch him. Hasn't and go, been healthy. Though. Hasn't been healthy, but mm -hmm. there have been times, especially early on in his career, yeah. where you see him and you go, oh. Him and Montez Sweat yeah, together? He's one of them it's like he's in that he has a chance to be in that miles garrett bosa brother For club sure. of just elite 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 pass rusher so yeah him getting and it's just his life's only going to get easier playing with all these other elite pass rushers they're gonna be able to coach him up there you know i would have in theory we talked about it with peter king yesterday maybe a defensive back made more sense but if the quarterback doesn't have any time to throw i guess it doesn't matter how well you cover anybody so i love that move for them and and for chase young and chase young's agent just mm. very good move all around <laughs> Fairly well, Josh McDaniels as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Pre-fired. Thank God we got that in yesterday. <laughs> he was pre-fired and now actually fired uh, for the second time in his career. In the second season of his head coaching tenure has been fired in the middle of the season, despite the fact that he's got a bunch of money still headed his way mm -hmm. by the Raiders. Like, it's pretty clear what was happening there with that mm -hmm. Raiders team and that he was not going to be part of the solution there, even though I, I guess reports are that he was told he had through the 2024 season to show improvement and rebuild this team. I, I, I think the jury has now returned with a verdict on Josh McDaniels Guilty. as a head, <laughs> as a head coach. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a media career uh, ahead, hmm. but yeah, probably back in an OC's chair somewhere yeah for sure i mean he's clearly capable at that part of things and less capable at the big job it's almost like they're two completely different jobs running an offense and coaching a football team uh we've seen this movie before with him i doubt we'll see it again in terms of media anybody attached to brady is always going to have the ability to do that i mean mm. there's the book there if he wants it all that stuff tv career all, all of that but mm. yeah i think he's probably just a football guy who wants to go run an offense for some team uh, general manager David Ziegler also fired there. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing like being an interim general God, manager after so, the trade deadline. Must be so fun. Uh, I'd love to run do that. meetings. Say yeah. we gotta wrap our heads around this. There's nothing to do. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Drink, drinking coffee, wearing quarter zips. Yeah. Must be awesome. Yeah, uh, hard to imagine that. Yeah, interim general managers putting in 23 hour days. I wouldn't be. All right, when we come back, uh, the. Texas Rangers on the verge of a World Series. 
their first in franchise history, but Corey Seager may be on the verge of his second World Series MVP. Does that put him into the Hall of Fame? We'll talk to John Morosi of MLB Network next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bumping some creed if they win tonight in Arizona, go 11-0 on the road this postseason and secure that franchise's first ever World Series title. John Morosi joins us now of MLB Network. How's it going, John? Good morning. Good morning. There would be no higher achievement in Rangers franchise history than to win one more baseball game. Yeah, it's it's true. Sorry, I, I couldn't resist. Very uh, good. There, no, well done. The, the, good the job. number of Creed songs that I know that I know by heart, uh, or their their even their names, is not necessarily that uh, that vast. But I knew that one, and so I, I begin today with a pun. There you that's, go. That's well done. Loved um, it. Yeah. It's it's not on the level of the number of Taylor Swift puns we heard around every NFL conversation for about a two-week span there. And that's good. Yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> so, well done. Um, yeah, it, who knows? The, the Diamondbacks have been counted out plenty of times before, like, you know, when they were losing the last four games of the regular season and they found themselves in, in the World Series um, with 84 wins. So, who knows? Maybe a comeback is in the offing, but it's hard not to think about what a – Rangers World Series title would mean, and specifically to Bruce Bochy, who is an all-time manager in San Francisco, retires, comes out of retirement, joins this Rangers team, and yeah, they have great players, but he's the differentiating factor. How much credit should Bruce Bochy be getting here? A lot. Uh, I think he's one of the best managers of our time, Uh, a certain, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer when he's eligible to be considered by the ERA committee. He is, I think, a brilliant tactician. He's also a brilliant motivator, someone who connects with people very, very easily and knows the game in a really deep way. When you think about all that went into yesterday for the Rangers, certainly they they had the tough news pregame about Garcia being out and ultimately replaced. Max Scherzer, same thing. And then you go out and you put... 10 points on the board before the game is, is a few innings old on the road. And, and that just tells you a lot about their focus, who they are as a group, and, and the way in which he has his club ready to play. It was no accident that he won those three World Series uh, with the Giants and, and, of course, made it to the World Series with the Padres before that. Again, he's an all-time great. And, and the way that he's handled this team uh, with all the adversity they've faced – all the injuries that they have dealt with on the pitching staff, we, we forget sometimes Jacob DeGrom is supposed to be in this rotation somewhere, and he's not. He's hurt. And now Scherzer's hurt. And look at where they are, one game away. Now, they've been one game away before, back in 2011, and Ranger fans don't need me to remind them of that, uh, how close they were back then. But this is a very unique franchise story. that They've been playing baseball in, uh, in, in, the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for – more than 50 years are still waiting for the first World Series championship. I think only four teams, uh, only four fan bases have waited 
this long for a championship uh, actively right now. So it's a pretty remarkable story, and uh, I I think that right now you've got a fan base that is uh, steeped in history, waiting to make history, and and they've got Bruce Bochy on top of their list of thank you notes to send if they get there. Yeah, certainly plays a big part. And, you know, we've we've talked about this a little throughout the postseason, obviously a lot of it in the aftermath of everything that happened with the Blue Jays. But, you know, teams look at or other teams around the sport will look at a team that makes it this far or ultimately wins a World Series and say, okay, what do they do that we can replicate? What's a bit of their secret sauce that we could take with us? Do you think there will be some... I don't want to overstate it, but rethinking of what the manager position is because of the success that Bochi is having. And look, I understand a guy like Bochi is to a certain extent a one of one, but there are other managers that could be asked to manage the game or handle the team the, the way Bochi does. Do you think that maybe, you know, him having the success and again, they need one more win to do it. I understand, but could maybe have a bit of a rethinking of the, the role of the manager in 2024. Yes. Let's think about it. Uh, last year's championship was won by one of the oldest managers in the history of, uh, of the sport, in Dusty Baker. The previous year, Dusty made it to the World Series and lost to the man who I believe at the moment was the oldest manager in the National League, in Brian Snitker of the Braves. So you've got three years in a row where potentially the champion is, is one of the teams that has among the oldest two or three managers in the entire sport. And that matters that matters experience matters being comfortable on the big stage at this time of year matters i would also add that and i'm sure bruce bochi if he was part of this conversation right now would, would probably say this as well it helps when your ownership spends on players like seager and Semyon because they were basically the reason why they won last night <laughs> and yeah. so um and similarly to the phillies and their success and how they were able, they were able to beat the braves it was their superstars. Harper and Castellanos showed up in a big way in that series. And Turner. Um, this is why you go out there and get the big free agents. Now, spending money to spend money is not is not necessarily the right strategy. That there have been plenty of free agent signings, even in recent years, even with all the analytics that we've got, that have just not made sense and have not worked out. But when you get the right people, I stress people and not necessarily players. But the right people, guys who love the game, who work, who are available, who, who drive your culture in the way that Marcus Semien does, and, and you certainly know that from having uh, had him be a Blue Jay for a year, and, and you look at Corey Seager, what he's done in his career. He might be the World Series MVP for a second time in his young career since age 29 season. They've, they've brought in winners. they brought in guys who, who win, who care. Nate Evaldi is a winner. You've got a lot of guys that are, that are winning players that they've been able to bring in and, and make a part of their, their culture. And I, I think that, that that was an essential part of, of the way you put this club together. Certainly Nate Lowe is a homegrown guy. Evan Carter is a homegrown guy. There have been homegrown elements to it. And Adelise Garcia is one of the best moves that any team has made when you think about what little they gave up to get them. So it's not for just one reason, certainly, but you've got to like the way that they have gone about building their club. And and it starts with a manager, yes, but also some very, very smart signings with the right people who have driven the culture there, and that's uh, Semyon and Seeger.
Yeah, uh, and it's nice to see Marcus Semien start to put together a, a nice run in the postseason because it had been a struggle for him uh, leading up until uh, yesterday's game where he, he breaks through in a big way. He signs the ginormous contract. Like, I, I think people viewed the Corey Seager contract and the Marcus Semien contracts as very separate because Corey Seager had established so much and was already World Series MVP and played a premier uh, position of shortstop, not that Semyon didn't. I mean, he didn't the year prior when he hit all those home runs as a second baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I think people looked at the Semyon seven-year, $175 million contract a little bit side-eyed that the Rangers just went nuts with that thing. And especially in year one when he well, he didn't hit his first home run until I want to say like June that year and ended up with a very diminished overall stats that season. This year was more like the Marcus Semyon that that we expected to see but yeah can you speak to to how that contract was viewed in retrospect and and maybe like given a do-over with the blue jays have have been more in the marcus Semyon market they probably should have been <laughs> for first and foremost and and when you talk about free agents uh, yes, they spend a bunch of money. Of course, was it uh, was it predicated on on one big year? It's interesting because for me, he had had some tremendous years in Oakland. So this, this was not just about one big season for me with Semyon. There was a lot that you looked at and saw as as reasons why you felt like he'd be a very productive player for a long time. The most important stat that that he puts forward to me every year is games played. He posts. He posts. And and when you look at how you're going to spend your money and 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 where you're going to prioritize, you have got to if you're if you're going to sign someone to the kind of a contract that you did for for Marcus Simeon, you have to basically say we believe he is the driver of of who we are as an organization. He's got to be in the lineup every day. It's it's so crucial to do that and when you consider what he's been able to do he's right there in the top 10 of players in terms of games played uh since 2015 he's played in 1258 games since then it's it's sixth sixth all time or sixth in that in that period of time and 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 you certainly cannot predict health always but you look at past track record and say okay is he someone that stays healthy is he someone that's on the field and and he does all of those things, and so that that to me stands out. Uh, I think he's he's someone who has been able to obviously switch to the other side of, of second base and and play second at a, at a high level after working so hard on his defense at short. He came in as a as a subpar defender, but grinded and worked and made himself willed himself. Worked with Ron Washington a lot there in Oakland, willed himself into being an above average player. At, at that position defensively, and then because it was best for the team, moved to second base. So I I have a lot of time for him for what he represents and how he handles himself, and and I think the the Jays miss him. I, I think part of it you, you wonder where would he have played long term? Did it matter to him supposedly to play shortstop? That was kind of the other uh, variable, and obviously ended up signing somewhere where he's going to play second base. One hundred seventy-five uh, million he'll Blue play Jays wherever. Team, yeah, exactly. I mean, this this Blue Jays team certainly could have used someone with his character and his ability this year, without a doubt. Uh, Corey Seager does not post, right? Like those are very, very different players, and and he has been uh, injury riddled throughout the course of his career. But he's now making a, a pretty interesting Hall of Fame case in my mind. 
uh, John, especially if he wins World Series MVP, which I, I think he's the odds-on favorite to do with three home runs over this 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 World Series so far. Uh, if the Rangers end up victorious, it'll be his second World Series MVP. And you go down the list of guys that have won multiple World Series MVPs. They're all all-time greats. And Corey Seager, when he's healthy during regular seasons, puts up great, great statistical seasons, averages, but like not counting stats necessarily. He is what? He's almost 30 years old, will be um, in April of, of next season. What do you think about Corey Seager's uh, Hall of Fame case if he picks up yet another World Series MVP? I think it's certainly moving him to where he's halfway there. And I describe halfway because he's still in his age 29 season. And and for me, he'll have a lot. He'll, he'll have to stay healthy for the next six to seven years, so into his mid-30s. Whether he's a DH, whatever his position ends up being at that point in time. Um, I, I look at Chase Utley, for example, and, and Utley's career reminds me a little bit of Seager's career in some in some ways, in terms of, um, yes, some injuries, and in Chase's case, he missed a lot of time, but championships and, and a really valuable player on championship teams, distinguished record in the postseason. And even though, and, and we'll see Utley's numbers when he comes up on the ballot this offseason, but Utley finished with just shy of 2,000 games. And there are people who look at that and, and still feel like, you didn't have enough games played to be a, a certain Hall of Famer. That you need, you need more than than 2,000. Let's say if you're if you're a uh, an everyday position player, that 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 2,000 games is sort of a nice round number of you need roughly that amount to get yourself in. I, I'm not going to uh, necessarily strictly hold Chase to that number, but I, I think that's the range. And at the moment, Seager has played in 906. So he's he's got to for me he's got to basically double what he's done now, and if you if you play in 1800 games, obviously there was the missed time because of the pandemic, so you sort of credit uh, a little bit of uh, additional time there. Uh, he's he's halfway there. He's not he's not in at the moment, but he's working on it. And and if he's able to to post and and, and put together some pretty good seasons through about the age of 35 or 36. Uh, then I think that I'll be uh, checking the box beside Corey Seager's name. Okay, well, let's let's workshop a couple more theories of ways this could play out, though. It's entirely possible that the injury-riddled nature of his career continues, but he continues to find a way to stay healthy in the postseason. Like, what does his resume look like if he ends up with, I don't know, let's just spitball, 1,600 games, but he hits eight or nine more postseason homers, and he is top two or three all time with a, in postseason homers with a couple of World Series MVPs to his resume. Like it really is one of the all time cases. I mean, John, you'll appreciate this. We we were kind of kicking this around about Serge, Sergei Bobrovsky of the NHL. Of he's going to have two Vesnas. He made it to a Cup final. Doesn't feel like a Hall of Famer, but when you have that playoff resume, how how can you go against it? And I, I just I'm I'm with the both of you that Seager, if it if it does play out that way, it really could be one of the kind of all time confounding or, or great debates, which honestly we don't really have in sports. So unfortunately for Seager, I, I think I hope that happens. First of all, Chris Osgood belongs in the Hall of Fame. We'll get we'll, we'll to that one now. But, uh, but second of all, uh, yes, with Seager, uh, it's interesting in, in baseball, and maybe I, I love the way you're framing the question because I think it's something for us to reflect on. We're now entering an era, and this is the first, this like the wild card era, so let's call it 95 to now, 
and and we're just now seeing you know, this full group of players who sort of came about in the wild card era they're now all on our ballots right now so we've this is this is basically the only players that we're considering are those that arrived to the major leagues after 95 now there's the veterans committee which is a separate process but i i mention this because for a long time in baseball you could have been a great playoff performer but but there was only one world series there was only one series or then there was the lcs there wasn't enough time, really, in terms of bulk of games in the playoffs to really create, again, different than the NHL where the playoffs take two months, two months versus two series at, the, at that time. It's, just, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, now, now we're getting more to a spot where it takes up all of October, and here we are, uh, happy 1st of November. Um, so there's, there are more games and rounds and moments to think about. And so uh, we're now at a spot where, where because of the playoff format, and again, it's being debated if people like the format or not, but one thing it's giving is it's given someone like Corey Seager more, more nights where he's talking to Ken Rosenthal on the field and he's the big story uh, in, in October with the whole country and whole baseball world watching. And that matters. So I, I do think that, that let's say he settles in at 1,600 games. Um, I, I'm all for revising down the quote-unquote minimum number of games that we need to see um, as long as you've got extraordinary playoff achievements. So I, I'll, I'll give them, uh, let's say, three or four more years at least of, of high-level performance in the regular season. And if you're able to do that, I mean, you, you still have to get to some number. The, the, the universe of position players with fewer than 1,000 games, let's say, is not very that, – that are in the world – or in the – Hall of Fame is not very big. Okay, so this is a fairly that that is that is an extraordinary circumstance. So you, you got to get me to around fourteen, fifteen hundred, and then with but with the, this additional performance that you're referring to in October, which is very much a creation of the wild card era. I, I do think that we as voters need to recalibrate our expectations in that regard. So well done. You, you're making me think even more about my ballot here uh, in the next little while. Yeah. I mean, the, the postseason is gaining greater importance in this sport that, that used to be so much about the regular season. But you can get in with 84 wins. Don't matter no more. It's, it's about what you do when October hits. Uh, John, well done throwing your little Chris Osgood Detroit Red Wings uh, nugget in there. And congratulations to your Wings, who are off to a 13-point start in their first 10 games, second in the Atlantic Division. The uh, Maple Leafs looking up at them. Uh, they are two points back of the Red Wings. Looking forward for that uh, to that first matchup between those two. I'm looking forward to the first playoff match that we, we have, we've had between those two in quite a long time. Like it's it's possible. I I, I do think eventually. Let's be real. Okay, the Leafs good. will will pass pass them by at some point. Uh, but that was a character win. Uh, I'll I'll admit it was what World Series Game Three. I was flipping back and forth listening to Ken Daniels' call of the uh, <laughs> of the Leafs coming back on the Islanders there to to, to get an OT win. Yeah. So I'm I'm. Uh, I'm on board. They're making the playoffs this year, my friends. I'm pretty sure of that. Well, maybe we'll see that matchup this season. Thanks, as always, John. All the best, guys. We really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. See you, buddy. Uh, John Morosi, MLB Network. Also NHL Network, which he's going he's gonna to flip over to maybe as soon as tomorrow when the World Series potentially wraps up between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. Maybe give him a day. I know he's a Harvard no. man. He can work hard, but maybe. 
Does that sound like John Morosi? You're right. To like walk away for even a second? You're right. I actually think he's not going to do either of those things. I think he's going to be like uh, in Cuba or somewhere speaking Spanish with people getting insight on the game of baseball because he's good at that as well. Why wouldn't he be? Uh, Before we get to the wake and rake, though, I I do think this this Seager thing is super interesting because I'm with. John, that it is a sport where like counting stats are important, right? But yeah. you can you can do two things. You can also okay. be Sandy Koufax and yeah, be, at you the, be an outlier. You can just have an incredible couple year run where you're the best in the sport. And Corey Seager isn't that either, right? But he's been damn good. And we do live in a world in Major League Baseball where there are mo- more postseason games and mm-hmm. the emphasis has been put on October, okay? This is a different deal than... The guys who didn't get in because they didn't play enough games before. If Corey Seager is always healthy during the postseason and always performs during the postseason, is always in the postseason, that does count. And and maybe outsized version of what mm-hmm. it used to be. He's only 10 homers back of Manny Ramirez's all-time postseason yeah. homer record of 29. Now, Jose Altuve is second. But Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. Jose Altuve Duh. is going into the Hall of Fame. He's been a lot more healthy than Corey Seager. But this is, I, I, I think he's making a case here because the playoffs are, the Major League Baseball has told us what's important. It's playoff games, and when that arrives, he performs. Well, and if it was just the homers, if it was just, hey, he has as many postseason homers as poo holes, and he's one back of Schwarber, you'd say, okay, that's good. That's not enough alone. It's the homers with, and again, he still has to win the second one, so we should maybe stop giving him credit for it. But mm-hmm. Two World Series MVPs and being top 10 in the most important stat for a hitter in today's day and age. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good resume. Quite honestly, even if he was never healthy, if he was somehow just a creation of the postseason and they kept him in, you know, bubble wrap until then. That's kind of enough just for me alone. Two MVPs in top 10 all time. So, yeah. yeah. No, I I agree. I think he's on pace to be a Hall of Famer, a couple of World Series MVPs. And uh, it's a nice little case you got going on. Uh, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Well, let's talk about World Series Game 5. The Texas Rangers trying to put away the Arizona Diamondbacks with their playoff ace, Nate Avaldi on the mound, who is 4-0 in the postseason against Zach Gallen, who was an all-star this year, but having a rough go of it in the postseason with an ERA over 5. Now, I said Nate Avaldi is the Rangers' ace, in the postseason, which he clearly is. Mm -hmm. But in his last start, World Series game one against the Diamondbacks, gave him five earned over four and two-thirds. It's a kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport, and especially when a team gets a second look at you and already feels confident Mm. after the performance they they put up in in facing you in a a game that they eventually lost because their bullpen melted down. I This Diamondbacks team, you know, Mm. day after Halloween is kind of adjacent to me. They refuse to go away. 84 wins, lost last four games of the regular season. I don't think this is going to be a dangerous team that was two twice, one strike away from winning a World Series in, in 2011. I, I think I like the, the Diamondbacks here. The money line is a coin flip, minus 110 for both teams. I like the Diamondbacks at home. And the Rangers, 
finally losing a road game this postseason. I go the other way. If this is, and I know Avaldi, I know, I know Avaldi got touched up in the first game. If it was anybody on the mound other than him, I'd say, yes, the Diamondbacks are going to find a way. This guy's just a gamer. He, and I, again, I know he had the bad start at the first game of this series, but generally speaking in big spots and big postseason moments, he has come through not just for this team, but for other teams in spades. So I think the Rangers take care of business tonight. Give me them on the money line. I'm not going to get greedy with the spread, but yeah, minus 110 money line, Rangers, they wrap it up. But here's where you really make your money, okay? The Raptors play a basketball game. (laughs) Say it with us, folks. Milwaukee Bucks, and the total is 224 and a half, and that is not an obscene total in today's NBA, but it is for the Raptors. Are the the Bucks scoring 150 points? (laughs) Uh, yeah, the, the under and over, uh, paying equally, uh, minus 110 at 224 and a half. How, how do you shy under, away from that? Under, under. Boy, if you really want to go nuts here and the, the, the problem with this might be if it gets into blowout yep. territory and the Bucks end up scoring 120, it's not like the Raptors are going to score 80 here, mm-hmm. but the, the Raptors team total is 99 and a half. So if you think they're going to go sub hundred points again, and the, the other danger is if they go to overtime, which yeah. uh, would, uh, that would be surprising. Uh, but so yeah, worried about that. The under paying huge money under 99 and a half. The Raptors team total paying plus 400. I, I, I kind of like that a lot. I like that might be my favorite thing we've ever done together on <laughs> Wake and Rake is yeah. Raptors team total 99 and a half under. Yes, please. Yeah, they have scored. 100 points or more in two of the four games this season. One was a blowout at the hands of the Sixers. The other one was an overtime game. I was going to say the way math works means two of those games have gone under 100 points. That is true. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, does Joseph Wall get the start against the Bruins tomorrow night? He's a Boston College guy. Does he get to return to his old stomping grounds. We'll talk to a guy who was in a similar spot, also BC grad, uh, Corey Schneider, former NHL goalie, current NHL Network and MSG Networks analyst, joins us next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.